Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we find the lessons and blessings in the painful moments of our lives. And today we are blessed to have Chris O'Connell here, good friend of mine who we've never met in person, but we've been connected for years now on LinkedIn, and he is not feeling well today. And so we're going to talk about that on the podcast. So thank you for doing it anyway. Welcome, Chris. Well, thank you for inviting me. I don't want to let you down. You've been on my show and it was a brilliant episode. So I just, I want to return the favor and I'll, I'll do my damnedest to, to not, not be sick everywhere because I've got dizzy spells and everything. But anyway, it's all part of the show, right? Oh my God. Well, we talked about this before he actually came on and recorded about how you actually feel like you might be burnt out. And so I yeah. wanted to record this part anyway, because I said you should just go lay down <laughs> and you refused. And this yes. is a problem that I think men actually have. So I would love for you to talk through this with me a little bit about your mindset on this. Well, I mean, I, I've been open about burnout quite a lot. And I'm a like yourself, a bit of a well-being coach and a leadership coach. And I advise my clients, to, you know, on how to avoid burnout. So it's a classic example of kind of like not practicing what I preach a little bit. But I think it's more a case of my business is growing really well, really rapidly. My kids are great. Everything's great. And I think it's a, for me, it's a case of sometimes when things are really, really, really good, you've got to check in with yourself and kind of, I saw, I saw something from on Insta today about journaling. Sometimes I think we journal, we analyze what we don't do well or the negative, but sometimes when things are going well, I think dive into that as well. And it's sort of like, are they really going well in terms of actually, I need to slow down. So I'm going on a holiday next week with my children. So I think, yeah, I, I could have and should have told you earlier today that I'm not feeling up for it, but I'm here now and I'm doing it. So we, I analyze myself and go, is that right? Is that wrong? And I said to you, fuck it, let's do it. So I actually, now I'm doing it, I feel all right, but it's probably not the right thing to do. Well, I think the right thing to do is, is what we end up doing in the end anyway, right? Yeah. There's no use in looking at me like, was I right or was I wrong? Like whatever choice you make with the information that you have at hand, is the best choice. And like you, like you had said, you were initially like, I, I want to talk to you. And like, then you decided to do the podcast, right? So whatever trade-off we have as talking yeah. as friends was the trade-off. And then you were like, ah, screw it. I'm going to actually just do the podcast. So yeah. there are certain things in life that I think we trade off when, whether we feel burnt out or not, like we find out that the payoff for us is, is mm. more worth it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's good to do that all the time when you feel like the payoff is not worth it, at least in the immediate. I think I probably use the, because I've had burnout, but I kind of know it's there. And I, can't, I think I, I almost think I know my limits. So I kind of like, I can feel it and touch it, but I'm not going to go there. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And it's, uh, I don't want to be too kind of cocky or confident about that, but I think that it goes to the territory a little bit. So I'm very aware that if I don't slow down, it will damn well be my own fault. But I think as you go through this, you do you do know your limits. It's, I think it's the times when you don't know and it's too late and you can't do anything about it. Right. Well, and Jordan Peterson talks about that too. I don't really like him, but he talks about how do you know your limits if you don't push yourself? Yeah. But I think the dangerous zone comes in when we push ourselves too far consistently. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes, but the burnout in general, I think it doesn't always have to be from overwork. I think it can be from stress. It can be from environments and people. It can be a multi- Emotional fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually, I'm so glad that you just brought that up because the other week I went to this breakfast meetup and 
people were talking to me for like an hour straight. And this, yeah. this was like an energy that I've never dealt with before. Cause I'm in a very spiritual community. And mm -hmm. immediately when I got home, I like, I had to like take a nap because I was like so emotionally drained. That's never happened to me before. And I realized, yeah. holy crap, I was burnt out just from that one luncheon because of certain people who were talking to me. So I think it's very good, like you said, to be self-aware. Like, what are my limits? What are my boundaries? Who are the yeah. people I'm around to prevent yourself from burning out? But anyway, we're going into a little digression because I want to dive into you. And the yes. reason why we're connecting on this podcast, especially because I'm a men's mental health coach and you have dealt with so many challenges when it comes to yeah. mental health, when it comes to just being a man in society and being successful in business and failing in business and then being successful again and having children and being a single father and being divorced. And there's so many things that we can touch yeah. on. And, but I really want to ask you kind of about your personal story a little bit, because okay. you've shared a little bit about growing up before publicly. And so I just want to know if you can take us through that and how it sure. might have led to yeah. know adulthood when you were born your biological mother just left yeah. then your dad being unable to take care of you guys you were in foster mm -hmm. he got you back remarried but with a, a mother figure again who was yeah. not a mother figure and i cannot imagine and i know that you're not even done with your story yet and i know that you've already done all this analysis but i cannot imagine the impact that had on you for how you viewed women did you th feel like it did have an impact for how you viewed women as you grew up? It's an interesting question that because it obviously has done because my relationships with women, I, I've had a number of relationships. I, th I think that's the type of women that I had attracted weren't particularly good for me. So it affected me in many ways. I was very shy and always, always wanted to have a girlfriend, always wanted to fall in love, I was very emotional and all that. So I loved all that kind of stuff. But I think I've always treated women well, with respect, I think there's a lack of trust, probably deep in, deeply ingrained in me as or a fear of abandonment or fear of things breaking up or whatever. I've been engaged three times. I'm now divorced. I've had a seven year relationship, my marriage, I've had long relationships. Now, you know, I feel more ready to be in a relationship than I ever have been, but it, yes, it's affected my relationships in different ways. I've had some very good relationships as well. I managed to get to a grammar school, which was good because the, the other secondary school was just a horrendous thing, but I still have to walk all the way along round to avoid that school. Cause I'd often get beaten up on the way home and get called a pikey and all that kind of stuff. It was just, I, I, I skived the last week of every, I didn't complete a full week in my last year because my daddy was working and I was just, I just forged his letters and signed them and just pretend I was sick. And I was just, I just hated school, hated the whole thing. I was, I'd have a bag of crisps and a chocolate bar. That was my lunch. I had like free dinners. It wasn't great up until the age of sort of 15, 16. And even my foster mom said that even from the age of three, I was the, the parent of the family. But then I kind of left my dad's house and got, managed to get like a bed sit somewhere. And I used to work in a petrol station in the evenings, all nights in a hardware shop in the evenings, do a paper round. I had three or four different jobs to fund my, my, myself. And then got myself on my feet. I went to college, did a business and finance H&D. Then I joined a big corporate recruiter, worldwide business. I was their worldwide top bill. I knocked the absolute doors off, made them 15 million quid and just found a bit of a calling there. Whilst I did that, I went to university and got, I got a business and finance degree as well. So this is where I started to kind of do really well, earning good money, earning six figures at 19, 20, 21 years old. Did that for five years, moved to Bristol with that business, met an Irish girl. Within six months, we got pregnant. 
and how she announced that we were pregnant was, if you don't want this fucking child, fuck off. That's how she announced we were pregnant. She was a very <laughs> aggressive individual. Um, so that relationship didn't work out. We, we broke up after the day after it was already broken up really the day after my son was born and she took him to Ireland for six months. I didn't see him for six months. And I remember being in a lock-in in a pub and feeling of not being able to speak to him, see him, it will stay with me forever. Eventually negotiated her to come back for his first birthday and then on Christmas day and I went around the house and she didn't, she wasn't there. She took him back to Ireland and it was just a horrible battle where in England you're guilty before you're innocent. You have to prove that you're, you're a stable person and a normal father. I had to spend thousands. I was spending thousands not to see him paying directly to her and also thousands for the court cases and all that kind of stuff. So eventually got him back and, and built up a good relationship and uh, what happened next? So yeah, then I set up a business. <laughs> Don't forget that. I set up a business uh, and got it to hundred people. 30 million pounds turnover, 14 industry awards. I was Southwest Entrepreneur of the Year. One of the most amazing recruitment businesses and successful businesses ever in the United Kingdom at the time. Uh, offices in Bristol, London, and uh, Manchester. I was a multimillionaire at this point, the late 20s and 30s, having relationships. But my, bu my business was going really well, but my personal life wasn't particularly going well. And yeah, had more difficulties with seeing my, my, my eldest son. Then I kind of lost that business as well, which caused me a lot of anxiety, depression, mental health problems. And then I came back and now I've built an, an incredible NED portfolio. As people know me on LinkedIn and other platforms, I'm a business coach to a number of different businesses and business is going really well. And I've, I've pivoted through telling my own story, but I was married for seven years and I've got two other beautiful children as well in, but now, now divorced and yeah, there was a period of time when I was denied access to see my children, my other two children as well. You have experienced multiple times not being able to see your children. I don't know the laws in the UK. I don't know the laws really in the US either. It's different per state, but yeah. I, it, that's, that has to be so detrimental to a child's mm. well-being yeah. and detrimental to your well-being as well. Can you tell us? just a little bit more about that for maybe other men who are experiencing currently not being able to yeah. see their children. Like, how do you go about this process of being able to get them back? Or like, how do you deal with not no. being able to see them? It's actually a very common thing. And I mean, again, my story was, you know, I got divorced and some allegations were made about me and I had to prove that they weren't true in order to get my children back and had go through an interview. So that, that's the process with, with feels as if normally the mother has got the power, but I, I have heard instances where the father can dictate this well, but generally you have to speak to Kafkas, which is like a legal entity around proving your validity as a father. So I had to do that. I was interviewed and it transpired that after a year of doing that, they agreed that I would be able to see them supervised in, in a room that was 15 foot by 15 foot with toys for two hours every other Saturday. And you had to do that for nine months. And the feeling- Do, the do feeling women that, have to validate their well-being as mothers? At part, parts of the process, yes. But I mean, I, I took advice on it and I, and I was advised not to even mention anything negative about the other person you've got to focus on yourself you've got to answer the questions not to lose your call even though at the point in time i've been denied access to my children actually i was giving out millions and thousands millions 
in a divorce settlement in terms of properties and also thousands per month. To, you know, it's, it's one of those where I had to bite my tongue and play the long game. And that's not, and it's, it's a patience thing. I'm part of groups and had fathers that have been denied access for three, four, five, six years, and they're still paying money not to see their children. So my advice is that you have, you, the, the, and we're coached about this. We're told every time someone sends you a, 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 a text message around, I know you're supposed to, I know I'm supposed to drop the kids off today, but I'm not going to do that today. Not to respond to that kind of stuff. And just, you can't, you got to be whiter than white. You got to play the long game. It's different. It's different. So, I mean, it, it affected them. So we talk about how it affects the parents, but imagine a, a child, a three-year-old or four-year-old or five-year-old, and they've got their, the world in their hand. Their, their world is their mum and their dad. And if their dad is taken, that's 50% of their world ex extracted from their life. I think if it went on for much longer than nine, 10, 11 months, it would have been really difficult for me to recapture the bonds. But the bond now is phenomenal. I felt really, oh, the pain of it was unbearable, really. I, I was putting on a brave face having to do that in front of the, you know, being watched and playing with the toy. And then it's, then we, then we agreed that now I'll get them 50% of the time and it's all good. But I felt shame. I felt like I, I started to believe I was a bad father. I started to believe I was a bad man. I mean, I believed I was a bad man or a not worthy man from the age of two because my mum walked out on me and then my stepmom beat me up and then on all these kind of stuff. So I've now built a resilience to it, knowing that I'm a phenomenal father, but it just destroys your confidence. It destroys your self-esteem. And it does what, what I did with Kira, my first child, when I got him back, I overcompensated. I get some time with him and I just think, right, well, I need to make it into this extravaganza. Kind of made the relationship quite awkward because he, he just he didn't, he wasn't getting the real version of me. So it's really difficult. So glad that you brought that up because, you know, obviously as a men's coach, fathers in these situations and they go through the exact same pattern. And ironically, a lot of them have a similar past of physical abuse and feeling bad. Like there is this template that I am bad yeah and so you get into relationships where you're treated bad because it's like all the love that you know right you're trying to kind of compensate for that and then with children it's like when when they're gone you want to make up for it because you've missed so much and so i'm really glad that you pointed that out and i'm also glad that you you talked about the impact of the child having you know both parents and then mm. having it be taken away because my dad at one point in my life when i was like in second grade just one day he was gone yeah. Right. And no one would tell me anything. And my dad was like my best friend. And it was, it was awful because I didn't know where yeah. he was. I didn't know if he was coming back, you know, and, and children, when they're building the template of attachment, right. Yeah. Immediate edge, like immediate anxious attachment style. Right. Cause I don't yeah. know when they're coming back Yeah, and yeah. then intermittent periods of seeing someone. And I, I mean, think the important thing, like to point out for that, just because me having experienced it and you being a parent, like it's, it's totally different, but I wish as a child, someone had explained to me the yeah. situation, even though you're like, maybe they're too young or whatever, like it, knowing it well, is power for a child, right? I think it's right. That wouldn't be under describing it by saying, I think it's child abuse, whether it's a mother or a father denying, deliberately denying access to the other parent, but also I've experienced it not with my ex-wife with the other mother but and I, i've heard stories to the extent that the child is brainwashed so much against the other parent that 
if and when there is contact resumed, it's, it, it doesn't, I mean, I mailed this at one point for three months in a row, I was going around there trying to get some contact. Fuck off, dad. Like literally, but six months before that, we were cuddling and watching TV and playing football together. And it's that for me is just, that's a systematic, deliberate, and that's that that's when it starts to get really and almost kind of accept a little bit of disingenuous stuff and yes we use kids as bargaining tools and that's not great but yeah but that that shouldn't be normal like no one should use a child that's not what happened in my situation mine was totally different but like i understand what you're saying that like some people and it's unfortunate because if we are with a spouse who is toxic that is just a thing that is going to end up happening whether on purpose or by accident it's like yeah. But children should not be used as bargaining tools. And I agree with you. I think it is child abuse to keep the other parent away and use them, you know? And it's un- it's unfortunate because as children, you're going to go along with whatever parent you're surrounded by the most because they're there and they're yeah. taking care of you and you're going to soak that in. And fortunately, sometimes when they're older yeah. and they can meet you as an adult, they can start to gain a, a larger perspective and understand. But it's yeah. it sucks when their childhood is like completely obliterated of you. That's right. So, I mean, it, it lasted, it, I got him back, got him back and, and then she took him back. But the last time it happened when he was about 13 and I tried for five years to, to rebuild it. And then after a while, I actually got to a point where I fully accepted that he wouldn't be in my life anymore. And I felt so much peace because I think after a while, you can only knock on someone's door and be told to fuck off before it goes, I better fuck off. Uh, so that how so that enabled me to deal with it and i think when you reach that point i mean that i, I think that's people people listen to that thinking hang on he's your son but sometimes you have to make these decisions and then i spoke to someone else about it and then he got to 18 and i've explained this a few times and they said why don't you just there was i was working with another coach and she said to me why you have given up chris you have given up i said no i haven't given up i'll try to he's your son and she was and she recalibrated me but you know what she's right so i went around there again and hey presto i found where he lived knocked on his door i was expecting the worst found out he was now i'm six foot one and a half he's six foot two he's taller than me i was already shocked to see him getting hello dad I believe massive you're six foot one. yeah massive <laughs> you didn't know that did you <laughs> did like, that. there we go digression we need, we need to meet in person um, <laughs> and he gave me a massive hug and went all right dad and honestly I'm trying not to cry now. It's just, just that feeling. It's just, you just can't like, wow. So that really, that was really, that was a really important moment in my life. And since then I've had a few text messages with him. I think the relationship is gone. I don't think it's retrievable, but it felt as if there was some sort of retribution there that at least I know that he doesn't hate me. Relationship's not gone. Mm. Maybe it's just taking on a new phase. Because as children get older, we do gain so much more perspective. I thought at one point my relationship with my mom was gone Mm -hmm. and I was angry at my parents for how they were. But as I've gotten older, you know, and now I'm almost 30, it's like you do gain so much more perspective. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to remind you now, don't give up on that aspect either. I think you're right. Allow it to be what it is because, you know, Anyone can listen to you and hear you right now as you speak that you really love your son and you, you would have, if it could have been any other way, you were fighting for it. Yeah. And sometimes we just cannot control how life 
prevents us from living it the way that we want. And that's not your fault. And maybe yeah. now it's not understood, but that doesn't mean it won't ever be. No, it's like, you're right. And going, going back to answer your, your earlier question about, I think you asked me like how I perceive or how I treat women, you know, I think a lot of blokes treat women unfairly and badly. I'm not saying I've been a patron saint, not saying I've treated every single woman how I should, but I think as an example, I've done a woman's directory. Most of my friends are women. I love women. I, I respect women. I, I think they're emotional intelligence and I tend to bond and vibe better with, with women. And I, I've got no disdain or if anything, I've got more kind of disrespect for some men. So in a, in a bizarre sort of way, it's almost made me fall, feel more compassion and everything I'm saying for women. I don't, what I'm trying to do, I think some people go through these kind of things and then they take it out. They become fucking serial killers or they do something. They do, I'm like, I could be this really anti-woman person and i'm just hoping you know that you know that i'm, I'm just not so that hasn't affected me badly in that way if, if anything i think what my mum did to me what my stepdad to me, almost forced me to tune into my own emotion i do feel I'm quite emotionally in tune which is maybe maybe understand women because i think women are better at that so i hope that makes sense yeah absolutely and i'm sure it's it's helped you open doorways for other men as well, because mm. men are taught that, you know, don't show emotions, don't talk yeah. to other men about things. But you also said that most of your, most of your friends are women or you feel much closer to women. Do you have vulnerable conversations with men? Do you have close male friends that you connect with? Yeah, I think, I think I've moved away from some of my male friends because I just, they wouldn't have the capacity. They're not, I realized that a lot of it, the relationship was quite a sort of small talking kind of a, football and all that kind of stuff so the, the, i do i have got a few and it's dawned on me actually that there are some beautifully emotionally in tune men out there might be my group as well so what i'm trying to say i'll probably i've got rid of the ones that aren't or distance myself away and i think that maybe i'm doing quite a lot online because there's probably there's not enough men for me to actually do that with but i'm attracting more men like that and i've now got i've now made some more friends where i can instead of talking about football all the time we talk about this kind of stuff and it's quite nice and i like that so i'm just that sort of guy where don't get me wrong i like, I like drinking i like going out i like doing all the men stuff as well but why can't why can't men have an emotional discussion why can't men open up why can't men i don't think that's feminine or not masculine in fact if anything i think it's more masculine to to be like that than to put on a front to pretend that you're not. Well, exactly. And I'm glad that you kind of thought this through as you were talking about it, because <laughs> we talk about disregarding certain friends because they don't have the capacity or they're not like this. Well, yeah, be, but maybe they're just putting on the face, right? Yeah. Like sometimes we can intuitively know, like maybe this conversation isn't right with this person, but often a lot of men who are listening to this are going out doing the bar thing because that's what they think that they need to do. And they are dying to have a deeper conversation. Yeah. They might not understand, but I, I just think it's because every man that I talk to is like, yeah, I would like to have, you know, close male friends, but none of my friends are like that. And I'm like, not if, if none of your friends are like that, they're looking at you thinking the same thing. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? So like, I just think that not everybody is open like you, but mm. you can still open the doorway for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's why some people who look at me and think, oh, am I doing this for sympathy? Am I doing it for, no, actually I'm doing it because that's me. I honestly, like you've asked me some questions. I feel I've been pretty open already. I'm not, 
I just feel like that, that's my natural tendency to be like that. And I prefer to be like that. So and I think if I can help one person do that, I think that's the way it should be. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, what can women do to help? I mean, I think the other, the other thing is that I think women can be, can not help men do that as well. I think, I think that sometimes women play a role in men not showing their emotion as well. What do you think? I would love for you to explain that further. Well, I mean, some of the relationships and how I've seen other relationships whereby women, women's decision-making criteria is based on the size of their car, their watch, their house, their job. So women tend to make, it's not generalized. There's an argument to say that a man is attractive because of his status or his money, as opposed to his emotional intelligence and his emotional wealth. And I think there's a narrative that plays into that. And I think that, or else I think, I think sometimes that men can be de demasculated, is that a word? Emasculated sometimes. Emasculated, yeah. And they, they say that men have the power, but I think a lot of women wear the trousers sometimes in terms of you can't go out with your friends, that kind of stuff. I think, I think it does quite a lot of damage, I think, where we have to kind of like negotiate and say, can I have some time with mine? Because ordinarily, I'm not saying women don't, but men work really, 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 really hard because it's their, it's their purpose. They say they work like Monday to Saturday or Monday to Friday. And then the, on their day off, their wife will want to take them, spend some time with them or, you know, where does the man get the opportunity to actually spend some time? And it's like, it feels like it's like, it can be almost, it shouldn't be a reward to have some downtime on your own. And I, I know that's for women as well. I'm probably not explaining myself very well, as I say, it's, I don't know, interject. <laughs> no, I, I love what you're saying. And at the same time, I think what you're describing is much more of like a toxic relationship, right? If someone, yeah. if your partner, whether male or female is telling you, you can't go out with friends, it's more of like a definitely controlling habit, but also self-reflection. If your relationship is not toxic, there's nothing wrong with your partner wanting to spend time with you and saying like, hey, why don't we spend time together? It's not that they don't want you to hang out with friends, but perhaps they're feeling a bit neglected. And mm. if you are not prioritizing yourself, you will feel like, when do I get time for me? And that's mm. something I teach my yeah. clients is like, you need to make yourself a priority and have time for you because then you will expand everything else. But what we get caught up, what I see a lot of men get caught up in is putting everything else before them. So yeah. they're going to work the 70, 80 hours a week. Then they're going to take care of the family. Then they're going to take care of their spouse. And they're just going to continuously be burnt out. And because they're not filling their life with enough joy for themselves, mm. as opposed to like just 30 minutes a day in the morning before anyone wakes up dedicated to yourself. What am I going to do today? Where does my joy live? That that's what I've seen as, as just like a different perspective. But when you bring up, <laughs> you know, like more of like the toxic relationship side as far yeah. as women mistreating men, yeah. I think that's a, a, like almost like a secret society because men, I feel like have been trained not to say anything when they're in pain, not to say anything when they're suffering and to see it mm. as almost normal. Yeah. And so I think yeah. men get caught up in toxic relationships and feel like that is just what it is. They don't see yeah. it as toxic. It's just like, oh, this is just how women are. Yeah, and it shouldn't be like that. I'm not saying it's the case for all men. I'm not saying that men don't do it to women, but I think you're right. There's an element of putting up and shutting up because 
we don't want to upset the other half and it shouldn't be like that that you're probably in the wrong, wrong relationship and I, and I, so what I'm saying also as well I'm, I'm off the school of thought that I can point fingers at my mum I, I don't think I could have done much about that to be honest with you but you know other situations I've been in and I still attracted that in my life and I think that I've always tried to look inward and say what role did I play and I've done all that kind of work as well so I just want to put that on record that and everyone knows yeah, you, you're not going to get out of that mindset or change anything by just getting resentful about the other person say what well, what did I do what can I do better and I think it's all a gift it's all helped me to be the person I am today if anything what it's done is it's enabled me to reflect on myself it's enabled me to look at myself and go actually use this you use this to your advantage learn from the pain that's happened and lean into it and whereas I think some people don't and they and, and make it their story and they and they and, and they sit there and they and they win resentment and blame and they and all women are this and all women are that and it's that's not what i'm saying i do get frustrated when there's a big narrative when there's sort of a lot of men bashing around inequality equity all that kind of stuff do not get me wrong there's so much injustice for women but i think in the round in the round i think it's equal i do in general terms i'm glad you said that because i think so, i think so too honestly because when you brought it up about like, you know, women, like maybe only viewing men for this, or sometimes they, that's how they see them as a status. I'm like, dude, there's always going to be women like that. And there's always going to be the Andrew yeah. Tates of the world who think yeah, that yeah. women are just like meant to be the, I don't know, the cattle of your whatever, you know, yeah. but like, <laughs> it's not all men and it's not all women, but it's mm. like, what do you want out of your life? Like, and that is an internal reflection of like, what do I believe I deserve? What is my past yeah. painful learning? Yeah. What is the example I've been given? And if I've attracted this multiple times, I know I am repeating a pattern because it's not the same person. You know, you're dating different people and you are finding that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I have done that. But now I think I, you know, I, without being beheaded, I would like to almost create my perfect female avatar and go oh, i've got to choose whatever i want and that's the way it's going to be i think that i've built up a, a real strength in that regard to go i can recognize red flags you know and there's never the perfect partner out there right but reach for the stars I, i'm i'm deserving and worth every single tick in the box that i want for my partner and i'm going to go and, i'm not even going to go out and find it they're going to come i'm going to, i'm not going to force it i know that it's going to happen in the right way i've been single for three years which has done me well i've dated that's done me a lot of good around i always thought up, up until recently oh i don't need anyone to, to make myself really happy but now i've reached a point where i've done so much work on myself i wouldn't have built my business and got my kids back and got my all my finances in order and been an authority on linkedin and i've done a podcast and done what i've done if i hadn't done the work so i'm really happy in myself but without question I've changed tack. I believe that I'm not going to be truly happy unless I find someone else to share that with. And I really want to do that. And I'm ready for it. And it's going to be exciting. I love how you are talking about this because it's kind of like the levels that we go through in our own consciousness, mm. right? Because hyper-independence, I can do everything by myself. Yeah. I don't need anyone. Like I'm good is also like a trauma response, right? Like I don't need anyone. It's kind of like avoidance. And then it's not necessarily that you need someone to be happy because you've done all of the things. But I think we do get to a point, or at least I have also recently reached the conclusion yeah. of like, holy shit, having someone in your life who you really match with, not that you're settling for, not that you're yeah. just hanging out with because you're afraid to be alone, but like someone who is like your best friend, someone who's like the love of your life adds 
color to your world in a way that you just didn't know you needed. And I think that's yeah. a beautiful thing to, to want to have and to want to experience. But I'm glad that you said you're not going to, I don't want to say settle because I'm sure everyone who we've dated in our lives serves a purpose and a lesson and they're amazing, but someone yeah. who is a perfect match for the experience you want to have and to create. Mm. Yeah. And I'd say, I was saying what's meant for us won't pass us by. I, I do really believe that. And I really believe that I'm into the universe stuff and the spirituality and the frequency. And I think the frequency I'm on at the moment is a really, really, really good one. And I am attracting different females into my life and different friends and different abundance and different joy. And I, I just, I've got, I've got a feeling that when it does happen, you know, I want to, I want to feel it deep, really, really fucking deep, man. And I think I'm able to do that. And I don't think you can do that unless you've got that deep feeling for yourself. The only way I'm going to get a relationship I want with someone else is to have it with myself. Yeah, you have to be in the vibration and the frequency, yeah. Yeah. right? You can't, you can't get an abundant love when you are in lack of love. No, and right. that's what happened, and that's the, so that, that that's why I was the situation. So, and I think fundamentally, I mean, it's not really surprising that I didn't have much self worth because of what happened to me, right? <laughs> so, therefore, I was attracting people that saw me a mile off and probably played on it, and that's fine. But I don't know. People got perception of me now. If people didn't know my story, they probably think I'm quite a confident guy, and why haven't I got so? But I, this is not a front. On, on one hand, I'm very vulnerable and very open. And sometimes I'm, I can be, I can be very anxious and still get that kind of stuff. But my confidence levels, my self-esteem, my self-love is probably the highest it's been in my entire life. And I still, but I still feel I've got way, way loads to go. But I think this is a really interesting part of my life. I'm 45. I'm old enough to know most things, I know pretty much everything that I need to know and young enough to still do lots of things as well. So maybe i always believe that it all happens for a reason right all this shit that's happened to me good bad and different but it's now created this jigsaw puzzle of me i think i'm a, i now for the first time in my life at 45 i do feel I'm, I'm a fucking special guy and i've got a lot to offer and i mean that in a way of i'm just proud to say that and i've never had that in my life no no one's ever said that to me never said it to myself but i'm i'll say if i don't need anyone else i'm my biggest supporter but i want someone else by my side to be my supporter as well that's amazing. Well, you are a special guy. You should be proud of yourself for everything you're, that you've you're been through. You're a special through. girl. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, look at us. <laughs> All the vibes going on. I here. know. I know. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you came on and chose to do the yeah. podcast today and that you shared with all of us and me this these precious moments of your life. Like, you know, you you are a special soul that you've taken these truly painful moments and, and gone down the path, least travel, right? And you're changing the world because you are using it, using it to your advantage. Well, um, thank you. And I'd like to say the work that you do is, I think it's exceptional what you're doing for men, men's mental health and how you do it and how you articulate it, how you dissect it is a brave, courageous thing to do. And I'm just, I've got so much love and respect for what you do. I think it's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I'm embarrassed. For any men that are, you know, kind of struggling right now or they're on the journey that you might have been on a few years ago, what sage wisdom do you think you would give to them? Well, I think if you are struggling with relationships with women, I think by all means go and chat to men. But I think that trying to find a female that you can talk to, you know, without it being 
difficult with yours. Just, I, I think it's about opening your heart and more often than not, it's not a personal thing. Anything that happens to you is not a personal thing. I don't take anything personally now. So, I mean, I deal with all sorts of people and I think it's just about, it's that self-love, man. People are people, your, your, your wife, your girlfriend, your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, your daddy, people are going to say things, do things, shit on you. And I think it's just about waking up each morning and setting, setting the day right. So I've got a whiteboard in my bedroom and it's got affirmations. It's, I love you, Chris. So I'm starting the day with, I'm unwiring all the negative. I'm starting with positives. I think it's about just talking and feeling and thinking yourself in the right way. And then what happens is people treat you that way as well. So I hope that helps in some way. Absolutely. Wow. Well, this has been such a powerful and impactful episode, and I appreciate you so much for being here. I want to let you be able to go rest. So we're going to end it here, guys. And I thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.